Welcome in. It's the Jones Report, post-game report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. TJ Reeves, Bucks Radio Network, Compass Media Network's College Football Insider is going to join us in just a few moments. But a reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, also check me out on social media, Facebook.com. Tyler Jones Live, Twitter as well at Tyler Jones Live, along with the Instagram. And I would love to hear from you there and appreciate the uh, follow and the like and all that great stuff that you all do, uh, as uh, always here on the uh, Jones Report. The way we do the postgame report each and every Monday is for about 45 minutes to an hour. Look back at the week that was in the NFL and in college football. And T.J. Reeves joins us right now. This man's got a busy week ahead between the Bucks and then the Big Ten Championship game coming up this weekend. He'll be on the call for and uh, coming off a win against the uh, Vikings yesterday. It was a very nice victory Monday for uh, our next guest, uh, T.J. Reeves, who joins us now. T.J., how are we doing after uh, that nice win against Minnesota? We are fantastic. Off the bye week, the Bucks get the win. Of course, you're you're most concerned with your Chiefs. They have the win. They are now in control at 12 and one of their own destiny for home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. Got a big win just south of where I am right now, down in Miami. Had to battle a little bit for us. I know we're going to talk about that, and we'll probably circle around to the Big Ten title game that I will get the privilege of working, as you made reference to, between Northwestern and Ohio State. There's a lot of subplots to that game, my friends. So I, I have nothing but five-star love for Tyler Jones well, thank the Jones you. Report. Well, thank you. Uh, TJ, the, the question that we ask on these Monday shows, a simple one to start off, is what did we learn from the weekend? So uh, you as the guest, I'll give you the floor first. What did you learn this weekend, TJ? I, I learned that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers still very much are part of the playoff picture in the NFC. And the reason I learned that is I witnessed it firsthand uh, at field level in the operational zone, Raymond James Stadium, which, by the way, at the time that we are taping the uh, Jones Report's uh, postgame report, we are 55 days away from Super Bowl 55 at Raymond James Stadium at that facility, where I know you hope and the Chiefs fans that are listening hope that the Chiefs will be part of Super Bowl 55 for the yes. second consecutive year in the big game. So I got the privilege of being down there, and what I learned is that the Buccaneers played like a playoff-caliber team coming off the bye week, and there was a lot of concern against the Minnesota team, Tyler, that had won four of its previous five games that the Vikings might be able to come in, outplay the Bucs, and just basically put a dagger in any hope Tampa Bay would have for making the playoffs. And yet it was the opposite. Yeah, it was a bit of a slow start in the first quarter, something we've become used to with the Bucs. But the Bucs really controlled that game from then on with Brady, uh, et cetera, and we can talk more about it. But that's what I learned. They wanted, to, they wanted to make a statement, we are relevant, we are playoff relevant, and they did, Tampa Bay. I learned this weekend that Patrick Mahomes can throw three interceptions and the Chiefs still dominate a football game. 30 <laughs> unanswered points at one point for this team that started out slow down 10 nothing on the road against Miami, a playoff team, and still come away in that game where it was never in doubt at any point for this Chiefs team. It was clear as day they were going to win that football game despite how sloppy they played, all the mistakes that they made. It was evident that it was theirs for the taking on Sunday. And with most teams, TJ, that were having a game like that, you would just simply say it is not their day. This is going to be a loss. Not a bad loss. You lost to a decent Dolphins team, but you, you, they found a way. They Good teams find ways to win when Absolutely. they're having the off day, when they're having the struggles of some sorts there. So that's what I learned uh, from the Chiefs, that they could still win when Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions. The other thing, too, uh, that, that stood out, on that performance, TJ, was that you had a Chiefs team that with, I think about any other quarterback in the league, if you're having a three-interception day, every coach is saying, all right, we're getting away from the passing game, we're going to run the football, maybe we're even putting in a different quarterback. The Chiefs never shied away from Patrick Mahomes in the pass game. I was impressed with not only for their response 
on of the three interceptions for the offense to still keep going, but for Andy Reid to still have confidence in his quarterback not to let those interceptions rattle him and rattle up that offense. Uh, that's what I learned from this weekend, TJ. Hey, and that's well put. I mean, he knows what he has, Andy Reid, with that guy. He's lethal. Am I correct? Did Mahomes have three interceptions on the season coming into Sunday? He it had was two. two or two on the season. He had two in the first quarter, am I correct? Two in the first quarter. Half. Yes. And and both of those were to the the Las Vegas Raiders were his previous interceptions. Right. And so he had two in the first quarter. And you're right. I was watching that score as it ticked by going, wow, 10-0 already. Uh, But you knew there's so much time still left in a game, second quarter, second half. They are too dangerous with too many weapons to keep them down the entire time when you're playing them. You guys talk about that on your show and on this podcast all the time. It's almost like, and I know I'm older than you, back in the day with the 49ers. I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm just saying for the older audience that may be hearing us, when the 49ers had Montana and Rice and John Taylor and Brent Jones at tight end and Roger Craig running it and or any of their other weapons around those guys, you were never, um, I mean, not never, you were – you were more likely to get hit by a meteor on your birthday than you were going to see that team get shut out or held the 10 points or 13 points. By and, and the NFL was not the same pass-happy NFL in the 1980s, but those 49er teams, who are you going to stop and how are you going to stop them every week? It's the same thing right now in this mode with the Chiefs um, when you watch them play. Who do you want to take away? Do you want to try to take away Tyreek Tyre Hill deep? Okay, he'll find Kelsey over the middle. He'll find... Uh, Mecole Hardman, he'll find Sammy Watkins, uh, Demarcus Robinson, an assortment of receivers if you want to try to take Hill away. And Miami did a pretty good job, I think, for a lot of the game taking him away. And then all of a sudden, he beat the double team, and there was the laser to Tyreek Hill. So they are something else, and it's amazing um, the the numbers they put up, his arm strength, and you're never going to be out of it with him at quarterback. It's it's a lot of fun. It's almost video game-like with him at quarterback and him at the controls and time still on the clock, Tyler. Yeah, for sure. And with what we saw this weekend from the Steelers losing their second straight game and uh, you know the Bills getting that one done, looks like the Bills are now the second-best team in the AFC. But wow. even with the... Chiefs playing not not great the last few weeks. You know they they haven't covered the spread in in about five weeks. TJ's <laughs> underdog pick the last few weeks. I hope it was whoever the Chiefs were playing because uh, he would have right. made some folks a lot of money. But sure, they're not playing their. By best the football. way, can I stop you? Yes. By the way, there were more than a few people interested at the end of that Chiefs Dolphins game in the fact that Brian Flores didn't go for the touchdown with a few seconds left and kicked the field goal because he knew he had the. He had to have the ball twice. He had to have two scores. When he kicked that field goal, there was cheering all across the land for those with the Dolphins. What was it, plus seven or plus eight? Plus seven, the roar yeah. was as if the Dolphins had won the Super Bowl, my friend. <laughs> I had the Dolphins plus seven, too. Uh, I followed the trends. Nothing against the Chiefs, but that's what the right. analytics said. So, um, But, yes, you look at that, the Chiefs, I think that they can still kick it in another gear of some sorts. They're not playing their best football right now, but they know when it matters most, when to kick it in that gear. Reminds me similar of the Bucks in that sense yesterday. In you know, We saw two very similar games, I think, in this sense, TJ, of that the Bucks could they have won by more? Sure, but you didn't need to. You, you work on that clock a bit, you, you don't. You, you, you kind of hide some things a little bit, maybe. I think Bruce Arians and Tom Brady probably have something up their sleeve later on for the postseason sorts, too. Experienced teams, you've been there, you've done that. You know how to go through these situations. You don't need to show all your cards. It, it, it's still considerably early here in this run. Well, and in the in the case of the Bucks game with the Vikings, the Vikings, by design, were trying to grind the clock and run the ball with Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Had an eight-minute touchdown drive late in the first quarter and early in the second quarter that swallowed up a lot of the first half. I mean, the Vikings' time of possession was like 17 minutes in the first half, literally, uh, on, on basically about a, about a two drives. So that was part of their plan. Uh, they also converted four fourth downs in the game, uh, Mike Zimmer electing to go for it two or three different times because they knew down a couple of scores we can't afford to give the ball back. 
So they worked on the time of possession. They worked on the Bucks defense, but you're right. The Bucks got the momentum going on the long pass that everybody's probably seeing the highlights to, uh, to Scotty Miller, the bomb, the 48-yard bomb. They got another touchdown uh, later on in the game on the first drive of the second half to Rob Gronkowski that's been on all the highlights with the Gronk spike. So once the Bucks got command of the game, they could turn the pass rush loose and got six sacks on Kirk Cousins, uh, four of those in the second half. Really put the pressure on him big time. Yeah. And uh, it was a well-earned, well-earned uh, uh, victory. Again, you're not home free here, but that was a big confidence builder because you're going to play three games at the end here, uh, two with Atlanta, one with Detroit, all losing records. You've got to be able to win at least two of those games. Yeah. You get to 10 wins, you may be the fifth seed out of seven teams in the NFC uh, playoffs. Out of three wildcard teams, you may be the top wildcard team if you can get to 10 wins. So it's looking good. It was a game yesterday, but that was, that was an impressive performance uh, by a very talented Buccaneers. Got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They put it together yesterday. Yeah. All right, TJ, I'm going to pose a question to you. And, and, Please. Um, I, have, I know my answer. But I think you're going to disagree with me. No, I have not had the COVID-19 vaccine yet. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That was the point. Stay tuned. <laughs> if I give I don't you... Know, I don't know that any of us are going to get it before March Madness that are that are below the age of 60, and that's a whole different discussion for a whole different podcast on whether we should get it. So for a lot of us, <laughs> we're watching all of this in the media and on TV, and it's not going to be available to us because God love the frontline workers yes. and those that are older. They need it first. Yes. But I sidetracked. Please pose another question. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we got that off your chest, TJ. Um, Thank you. If I give you the Chiefs or the field, are you taking the Chiefs or are you taking the field? And and I feel like you almost have to what take the Bucks in your what position. What kind of odds are you giving me? Are you giving me like five to one? Because if it's straight up, of course I'm taking the Chiefs. But if you're giving me some odds, I might take some other teams. Are there teams that can beat them? Green Bay can beat them. New Orleans can beat them. That Buffalo team looked very good again last night defensively. Again, they don't have a team of superstars. Uh, Josh Allen has played very well, but defensively, they are good. They're very well coached. You just wonder, again, back to the point, can you hold Mahomes down for an entire game, and then are you able to get against the Chiefs' defense if you're Buffalo 21, 24 points, something like that, to win the game? But I don't know. In the AFC, I I really was a bigger believer in Pittsburgh uh, coming into this game Sunday night until they lost, and now I'm wondering what's going on with them because this is back-to-back performances here where they've had trouble running the ball, defense has had trouble. I don't know how big of a threat Pittsburgh is going to be to the Kansas City Chiefs here. So probably the Chiefs and the AFC. Uh, I, I know Brady and the Bucks. Man, what a story it would be if they could find a way to work themselves into the Super Bowl to play Mahomes and the Chiefs in a rematch in Tampa. But I'm not so sure it's just uh, a given if it's New Orleans or Green Bay against them. So I'd be inclined, if you gave me odds, to answer it one more time, to take the field. Okay. Straight up, of course I'm picking a Chiefs. Sure, sure. Okay, fair enough. MVP race, this thing feels like it's down to Rodgers and Mahomes. I, I would say right now Rodgers has a slight edge after Mahomes' three-interception performance yesterday. But, TJ, I think this one's coming down to the very end. I don't think we're going to have an MVP, a clear winner, uh, you know, in this till the end of the season. We may even have co-MVPs here, like back in the day with McNair and Peyton Manning. Both these guys right. have had incredible seasons. Seems like they've pulled ahead from everybody else at this point. Who do you like between those two? And Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Saw him at field level earlier in the year, and the Bucks won that game impressively. I mean, they're the two front runners. Uh, obviously, with, with what they've been able to do. So, yes, I, I would say that's a fair assessment that it is it is probably Mahomes' award if Kansas City goes ahead and wins out here. But it, the only other likely challenger is Aaron Rodgers. And keep in mind, Green Bay just clinched the division again, and they have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Saints. So if Green Bay wins two more games, right now they are two in front. I think if they win two more games, they have absolutely clinched home field advantage. So my point is Rodgers may not be playing Week 17. Then again, if the Chiefs win a couple of more games and the, and the Steelers lose at least one more, the Chiefs may have it clinched for Week 17. we got to stay tuned on that. But I think you got it, you got it pegged. It's those two guys, and it's probably Mahomes. I'm playing your song. It's probably Mahomes for the MVP. Okay. Hey, so – 
I, I like Rodgers right now, but you like Mahomes, and that's okay. Uh, at least somebody filled the void on uh, taking the, the achievement. How would you like to be Matt LaFleur, where you're a first-time head coach, and you just locked up the division for the second straight year, and you've now won 23 games already with three more to go this year in your first two years as the, uh, as the Packers head coach? That ain't bad. Well, I would be losing sleep over the fact that you just used a first-round pick on a quarterback when your uh, when your <laughs> starter is about to potentially win the MVP, and you're and you're thinking, man, could we have given given him another weapon or something instead? Um, that's what I would be thinking if I was but Green Bay right he now. He didn't do that. I mean, it wasn't Lafleur that did. I don't think it was Lafleur that did that. Right, right. But maybe maybe he had some input that they liked Jordan Love, the power of Love, the quarterback from Utah State. But man, did that become a non-story in a hurry? Right. with the way that the Packers have played this year. Because there was all this talk that, man, if, if Rodgers struggles, might they turn to the rookie, et cetera, et cetera. But hasn't hasn't materialized in Green Bay. All right, let's go around the league. We'll run through these games real quickly here. Thursday night, the Rams uh, had a nice outing against the uh, Patriots as the Patriots stayed there in L.A. They get a 24-3 win. Uh, T.J., the Rams, surprising a lot of people. This team... Uh, I think they're capable of winning the NFC. I like what I've seen from the Rams, in particular that defense with Aaron Donald company has been so fun to watch this year. Yes, and I saw them on Monday Night Football back three three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, and they are the real deal, not just uh, offensively, but as you mentioned with Donald, with Jalen Ramsey back there in the secondary. Uh, again, uh, Brendan Staley is the guy's name that is the first-year defensive coordinator that took over for Wade Phillips, and their defense has been tremendous. And they squeezed Cam Newton and the Patriots the other night, and now they are basically the Rams in the driver's seat to win the West and have a home playoff game. And who knows, if they are able to keep winning, they might be in a position to challenge for the top seed in the NFC if somebody knocks off the Packers for a game or two. But, yeah, that uh, golf has played well. They run it well. Uh, Sean McVay has done a tremendous job uh, once again with putting them in positions with their scheme and with their offense. They're very well coached, so impressed with the Rams. Bears uh, put a beating on the uh, Texans, 36-7. to <laughs> Trubisky played well again, three I have, touchdowns. I have to confess, I have not seen much. I've seen like a highlight or two, but I kept seeing the score, and it's apparently Trubisky touchdown, Trubisky touchdown, and not pick sixes. Not no. for the other team. And he what out- the, what's, the, what's up with the Bears? Right, and he outplayed Deshaun Watson. Deshaun didn't play that great and left that game injured. Any chance with the way Trubisky has played the last couple weeks, dare I say, any chance do you think Chicago brings back Trubisky next year? That's a It's a great question, especially they're on the fringe of the playoff chase right now as well. Uh, and if they can win another game or two and stay playoff relevant with him playing well, then you really do have a debate. And, and Chicago, it has just been a soap opera of quarterbacks, including him, because you mentioned Deshaun Watson. Chicago could have had Deshaun Watson. Chicago could have had Patrick Mahomes. Instead, traded a number one pick, speaking of number one picks like you did a minute ago, traded a number one pick to move up one spot with the 49ers to take Trubisky in the first place. I don't know. And, and, and we saw the Bears... Uh, earlier in the year on Thursday night, Buccaneers, and it was Nick Foles at quarterback. Clearly, he's not a long-term solution and can't stay healthy, so I don't know what the Bears do, Tyler. Yeah, we'll see. The uh, Cardinals beat the Giants 26-7. Cardinals now 7-6. and Giants fall to 5-8, and eight, and with Washington winning, uh, they're in the driver's seat. The Giants have some work to do if they're going to win that division. Cardinals needed it, and uh, they were in a slump before that. Uh, they hadn't won since that Hell Murray game. Kyler Murray played well. Uh, nice road win for road win for them to uh, take care of business and make that uh, wild card race even more interesting there with Arizona. And I got my eyes on that because, obviously, the Cardinals are still alive in the West battling the Rams and the Seahawks, and they're also battling the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, and maybe another team or two for NFC playoff position here the last three weeks. And that was that was impressive for Cliff Kingsbury and company to come all the way east and beat a Giants team that, let us not forget, had won four games in a row, although it was a little questionable. I've not seen all of it again. This is the post-game report. We're doing this right off the weekend, and I can't see all of the games and highlights when I'm working myself the previous sure. day. But Daniel Jones apparently wasn't very good and was injured, and it's interesting they didn't. Did they play Colt McCoy at all, Tyler, in that game? I don't know if they went to him at all, but they played Jones for a lot of the game after McCoy had won the game in Seattle. So it's a bit strange, and it cost them their four-game win streak to lose that game at home. 
good win for the Cardinals. Yeah, and uh, Colt McCoy had uh, three passes uh, going two of three for 18 yards was uh, yeah. Colt McCoy's oh. uh, performance. Jones there. started and played most of the game with a bad hamstring, and I'm sure I'm sure the New York media and fans uh, who are looking for any piece of red meat they can find on on talk radio, on the Internet, uh, they're, after, they're after the Giants for that and for that loss. Uh, real quick, Denver beats Carolina 32-27. to Drew Locke, four touchdown passes, uh, just below 300 yards. Uh, it seems like with Drew Locke and Denver, he, they get him to perform well when he plays against bad teams there. Uh, I'm not solo Drew Locke as a, as a starting quarterback in this league, and uh, that, that seems to be what, what they get out of him is, okay, you, you can play well, but not when it necessarily matters. They have won two or three games, though, uh, with him. They won in New England with him, which was a bit of a surprise. And I know the Chiefs uh, handled them uh, back, what, last Sunday night as well. But this is this is another solid win. And Denver Denver is, is trying to figure out if he's the guy. And they're going to have to give it probably another season or two. Because remember, he only came on uh, in the middle of last season. And he had the injuries. He's had injuries this year, too. So we'll see. But that's a good win. Them, I've seen that Carolina team a couple of times, and they're not bad. They're not great, but they're not bad. And so, for Denver to go there and win that game, that's that's impressive for them. Uh, and you can make an argument uh, right now that the, the Broncos have had a couple of heartbreaking losses as well. They could they could be in the AFC playoff picture a little more uh, if they had taken care of business. Up the road from you in uh, Jacksonville, the uh, Titans beat uh, the Jags thirty-one to wow. ten. Uh, Titans nine and four now. Jags fall to one and twelve. Uh, Tannehill played good. Derrick Henry had over two hundred yards. AJ Brown had over a hundred yards receiving in that high highlight real catch. Titans, uh, this team is uh, having another good year. Last year wasn't a fluke of any sorts, and and they got playmakers. I mean, between Henry and Brown, I mean, uh, Vrabel seems like he's doing a really good job with that bunch. They they might find themselves back in the AFC Championship game again. TJ. Well, and they've already demonstrated, I know it's last year, last year's last year, 2020's been a wacky, almost three years within one, but they've proven they can go on the road and win playoff games, and what this really shows you is with how well they had played their previous two games before the Browns game, including dominating Indianapolis uh, in Indy, that first half against Cleveland, what was that last week? I'm talking about eight days ago, because they were awful. Then they played much better in the second half, and then you were supposed to go in and clobber Jacksonville, and that's exactly what they did. So they've played one bad half of football in the last four games. Titans, Tyler, still very much dangerous. There's no question uh, Tannehill's got playoff experience now with some wins. Derrick Henry, uh, as we like to say in the South, grown man. Yes. Grown man going to eat, and man, oh man, he, he is still – bowling people over and even had the LeBron celebratory slam dunk dance there after the end one in the end zone. Um, so, yeah, Titans very dangerous even if they're on the road. I would agree. Colts with a 44-27 win over the Raiders. Phillip Rivers played well. Jonathan Taylor was fantastic running the football. Uh, that offense uh, put up probably their best performance this year. The Raiders, man, uh, ever since that Chiefs game a couple weeks ago, they have really just hit a wall of sorts. Uh, John Gruden's bunch has two picks for Derek Carr. Aguilar played well, but uh, you know you didn't get the ground game out of Josh Jacobs you would have liked to see. And uh, Gruden makes the call to fire his defensive coordinator oh, after the game God. as well. What is going on with the Raiders right now, TJ? Defense was terrible. Jonathan Taylor carved them up, including as the Wildcat quarterback a couple of times, taken off with the ball. And I'll give you some insight here. This is why you got to subscribe to the Jones Report. This is why you got to be on the on the uh, the post game report. Is because I've got insight with John Gruden, uh, long time relationship with Rod Marinelli. Marinelli was a Tampa Bay assistant for many years in the '90s and the early 2000s under Tony Dungy, under John Gruden. Very fiery guy. Marinelli later went to the Lions as a head coach. Well documented that he didn't do well with the Lions. Obviously, had an 0-16 season, but he came back and was the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys and helped them get in the playoffs. So I think this is more John Gruden looking at Rod Marinelli, who can fire up a defense and get them together and saying, this Raider defense is underachieving. We should not be getting lit up at home by the Indianapolis Colts here, Phillip Rivers or not. 
And the Raiders are still very much lurking in the AFC wildcard race. That's a, that's a tough loss for them, but they've got three games left, and I don't have the schedule in front of me. But he's making this move because that defense with the fiery Rod Marinelli, um, uh, who, uh, again, uh, I have great I have great respect for Rod. He's a, he's a former Vietnam veteran, yeah. uh, leader of men, Buccaneers Super Bowl uh, winning assistant coach. I, I think this move is going to help the Raiders, especially on defense, and that's what John is seeing too. We've still got a chance to make the playoffs here, and we're not going to peter out with bad defense. Yeah, you got the Chargers coming up, the Dolphins and the Broncos. Realistically, mm. the Raiders can win out here, and then you're talking and the about game ten and six. Where at Vegas is the Dolphins game in Miami? Where's the Dolphins game? That game is, is in Miami? Vegas. So I mean, you've got a favorable schedule, winnable games with Chargers and the Broncos and the Dolphins. That's a huge, almost de facto, de facto wild card elimination game, and yeah. you got that at home. So the Raiders have a chance. Yeah, they certainly do. The Colts at nine and four. What do you think of the Colts? I've been selling the Colts all season long, but Philip Rivers has found the fountain of youth of some sorts. I'll give him credit. He's looked a lot better this year than what he did his last year with the Chargers last year. What's say you as far as the Colts? You buying they're, or selling them? They're very, they're, I, I'm buying them right now. They're very well coached with Frank Wright. They're very good defensively. Not spectacular. And, again, if T.Y. Hilton is there for the pass offense for Rivers, they're a different team. And he was yesterday with two more touchdown catches. I saw a couple of those highlights. And again, you couldn't you couldn't help but watch the rookie from Wisconsin, uh, Jonathan Taylor, running all over them. So Indy very well coached. And again, this will come down to the to the final probably couple of games between they and Tennessee on who wins the division and gets the home game. But Indy's very much in there, and Rivers on a one year deal. Uh, I know the television, TV play by play, and the broadcast booth might await Philip Rivers. But if he's having a big year on the one-year deal, he might keep playing, Tyler. We'll see with the Colts or somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks beat the Jets 40-3. to Nice bounce back for the uh, <laughs> Seahawks after that loss to the Giants the week before. All right. Let me lay out a scenario on the post-game report for Tyler Jones. Okay. You're going to have to take a job um, later today, and this is for the audience too, where you dig a trench through sewage for three hours <laughs> – or you're the you're the Jets and you have to play the Seahawks in Seattle for the second half while they're beating you 27 to 3, 34 to 3, 37 to 3 and then you have to fly on a plane back to New York in the middle of the night while you are 0 and 12 now or 0 and 3 what are they 0 and 13 now. Yes. Would you dig the trench in the in the sewage for an hour or two or would you be the Jets? Which oh, I'm, I'm taking the trench every time. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the easiest. That's a stench that's been there all year in New York, and it, uh, man, you talk about laying down the second half of that. I caught some of the second half of that game. Those guys, they're done. Whatever the spread is against the Jets for the last three games, lay it. Lay it against the Jets because they are laying down right now. They know Adam Gase is fired. They already fired Greg Williams. That was just bad, bad football. Good win for Seattle, but and the and, and the Patriots. Um, have already taken advantage of the Jets once. I believe the Patriots have one more game with the Jets here to try to take advantage of them, if I'm correct on that. So the, the, it looks like they're they're a lock to be 0-16. That's amazing that we're going to have a third 0-16 team in the modern era with the salary cap and free agency in the NFL. I mentioned the Lions, the Cleveland Browns, of course, a couple of years ago, and now the Jets appear to be poised to not win a game. Right, an entire season, and to think that we've had just one sixteen and O team, and they right. didn't even win the Super Bowl. So, uh, would you agree with me on the Jones report? Harder to go sixteen and O, winning them all, or harder to be so awful that you don't accidentally win one at O and sixteen? What would you say? Oh, I mean, harder? just the numbers say that it's harder to go sixteen and O than it is to go O and sixteen, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I look yeah. at it too that you know, just a you, a, a bad coach can can call can cost you so much. I mean, Adam Gase uh, alone is uh, is you know simple enough. You know, that's all I have to say is Adam Gase. You know, and looking at the talent on that roster, it, it all makes sense. So yeah, I, that's what I would look at. I'd agree. But we've seen we've seen some teams. I mean, the Steelers got to eleven and zero. We saw the Panthers get to fourteen and zero back in their Super Bowl year. 
you referenced that the the uh, the Patriots did go sixteen and zero. We've seen some teams get there as well, not completely to sixteen and zero, but you got to be really, really bad and almost on purpose to lose every single game. Right. Well, that's why Gase hasn't been fired yet. He's doing his job. He's doing his job of getting him that number one pick and bringing Trevor Lawrence to New York. So, uh, a few more. If the Jets have the number one pick, does Trevor Lawrence stay at Clemson? Uh, I think he's still coming out, but he. I wouldn't be shocked if he pulled an Eli Manning of some sorts. And said, trade me. Right, right. That's what I would do if I were him. I would still come out, but I would say I'm not playing for the New York Jets. We'll see what happens. All right, a couple more for you. Packers over the Lions, 31-24. to We mentioned Aaron Rodgers uh, right up there in the MVP race. Packers are uh, are starting to get hot here. I, I like what Green Bay's doing. And the number one seed is still on the line, like we were talking about with the Saints here. Going to be very relevant for the end of their, of their run. And, uh, again, I saw that team earlier in the year. And, and you can get to Aaron Rodgers here. You can pressure him. Uh, and the Green Bay defense is not overwhelming, but still, they they are rolling, and they're going to be very tough. Crowd or no crowd at Lambeau, very tough to win there in January uh, if, if the Packers do have that talent. Yeah. The uh, Eagles beat the Saints 24-21. Jalen Hurts a debut, not bad. 17 of 30, 167 yards through the air, over 100 yards in the ground, one touchdown. Taysom Hill, uh, these are where the numbers lie. I watched almost all this game, T.J., and mm-hmm. Taysom Hill just ain't it. I- I'm going to tell you that right now. If the Saints are going to invest their future in Taysom Hill, uh, they're going to make a big mistake here. This guy was missing wide-open receivers. He was walking in the sacks. He- he's just not the guy. I- I'll-, I'll say this much. The Saints next week when they play the Chiefs, if they're going to throw Taysom out, Taysom out there, they got no shot. They'd be better playing Jameis than they would. Taysom Hill next week. Uh, I'm just done wait, wait, with Taysom wait, wait. You're Hill. Saying this, you're saying this as if they didn't win a game without Drew Brees and he had won the first three, and he brought them back yesterday down 17-0 making some throws. I know he's not going to make you forget Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know Dan Marino, you know quarterbacks that could light it up, Mahomes throwing the ball, but they've been somewhat successful throwing the ball. Uh, with him, I, I really wonder as this week progresses, do they turn back to Breeze for this game? Because again, they're chasing Green Bay and the bye and the if playoffs. If Breeze can't go, win the division. If Breeze can't do? go, Jameis has got to be the guy, I think. <laughs> and I know what we've seen from Jameis, but I would give him another shot because Taysom Hill doesn't have it. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I did like. The, let's see what the Saints do against the Chiefs. But you're right; uh, they didn't get it done at the end, but they at least got back in the game. And Jalen Hurts. Uh, has already been named the starter for Philadelphia and maybe the starter for the rest of the year. And what yep. do they do with Carson Wentz? Uh, we're, ta- we're talking about Trubisky in Chicago, and what do they do? What does Philadelphia do with Carson Wentz if Jalen Hurts continues to key that offense? What do they do this offseason? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, a team like Indy or something. Maybe we have a reunion with Frank Wright. Um, there you go. There but who go. wants who wants that contract with Carson Wentz? This is a whole other story. A couple more for you. Chargers uh, beat the Falcons twenty to seventeen. Uh, you think Anthony Lynn is uh, back in LA next year, TJ? I don't think so. I think he's going to be gone, and we already know Atlanta made a coaching change. Uh, and we will see the Falcons Buccaneers at Atlanta this coming weekend in what is a large game for Tampa Bay, trying to lock up the playoffs against Raheem Morris, the interim coach, who's the former Tampa Bay coach, who would love nothing better, Tyler Jones, than to screw it up for the Bucks if he could get a win at home. But, man, they lost in heartbreaking fashion, let the Chargers get into field goal range, and for once the Chargers pulled a game out in the final minutes uh, with a last-second field goal there. So it drops Atlanta to 4-9. and nine. But to answer your question again, I think Anthony Lynn is probably gone. I mean, we got a lot of vacancies around the NFL already, Houston firing the coach, Atlanta firing the coach. You know the Jets are going to fire Adam Gase. The Chargers likely firing Anthony Lynn. Am I leaving another one out? Marone's getting fired in Jacksonville. I mean, there are going to be some openings here coming up. The Chargers might be my favorite one, other than uh, that ownership has been uh, such a mess the last several years. But you come in to work with Herbert, you're absolutely right. And those receivers. A lot of cap space. You have – you have, what is it? Is it Joey Bosa? I get it confused. You have Joey Bosa yes. in uh, in the Chargers. Nick Bosa is with the, uh, with the 49ers. 
that's an attractive job to be in the LA market. I know you're considered the second class citizen to the Rams and that in your own stadium there, but that, that one is a very attractive job all the way out West. Yeah. Uh, now you, you are, uh, it's, I don't think it's coincidence. You share an abbreviation with the Clippers because you are the Clippers of LA. Uh, but there is an opportunity to really do something there, and you can win over a lot of people. You just start winning. Uh, amazing how that works. And then uh, Washington, uh, the football team, gets the win over the 49ers. If they didn't what win the story. division, they got to keep the name. they got to stay as the football team, as I'm concerned. Um, Alex Smith went out. Haskins came in, held on there. Washington on a bit of a roll. They're 6-7 and seven now. Washington, I think now we're talking about, TJ, not only is this team probably going to win the division – with them hosting that playoff game, whether it's your Bucks or Seattle, right. whoever it may be, right. it's not just a given that that wild card team's going to walk in and beat Washington now. I think it's a good point that you make. They've won four games in a row, and it's not pushover teams. I mean, they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh back uh, a week ago Monday and now had to travel out west in this bizarre 2020 year where the 49ers are playing a home game in Arizona. And I know Nick Mullen struggled again at quarterback. The 49ers are injured, beat up. They're at the end. But you got you got to give uh, the Washington football team, the WFT, a lot of credit. Uh, Chase Young with that fumble return. Uh, Ron Rivera is going to get some votes for coach of the year, especially if they get to like eight wins here at the very end. I- incredible turnaround with him overcoming cancer, cancer treatment in the season, Tyler. Yes. And they're now winning games. And you're right, they may they may be a dangerous team there back at home for a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. That's our look around the National Football League. Let's move on to uh, some college football. And, you know, in the Big 12 this past week, you, you didn't have any of the contenders playing. Uh, Oklahoma State fought Baylor. Baylor was without a lot of players due to COVID, but – Nonetheless, Oklahoma State finishes their season on a high note, uh, 7-3, 42 3 win. TCU beats Louisiana Tech 52-10. to And uh, TCU, with some momentum going into next year, 6-4 and record is what they end up with. But the big story is this playoff picture now, TJ. And Florida suffering that uh, loss at home wow. to LSU. Uh, you know, Shoegate, or whatever you want to call it, the, the way that played out. <laughs> Florida now, I don't care if they somehow beat Alabama. I think they're out of it. They're out of the playoff picture. And now we're down to, what, maybe five, six teams in all this? Alabama's in. Notre Dame probably in. Uh, How do you see this playoff picture shaking out here over this uh, next uh, Saturday coming up? Let's put a pick up on that point. Alabama's in no matter what. Even if Florida was to upset them, then that means you're going to have two teams. Well, maybe not, though. I mean, the Gators could get left out. How wild would that be that they win the SEC title game and get left out because they have two losses? But And that's also happened before in the college football playoff on past precedent. Alabama's in, I believe, right now. I believe that the winner of the ACC title game is obviously in, whether it's Clemson or Notre Dame. Yes. And then the question becomes, if Clemson wins it, has Notre Dame done enough as the ACC title game runner-up with one loss in the rematch to get in? Um, and, and then we turn, and we're going to talk more about the Big Ten title game in a moment. It, does Ohio State have a strong enough case having only played six games? If they win on Saturday, it's only six games. Is that a strong enough case over a one-loss Texas A&M team that played in the SEC? You could even make the argument that the Big 12 champion, even with two losses, has a bigger body of work with more wins, even though Ohio State's undefeated, to only have played six games. And I, and I have numerous friends in the West that are saying this. Okay, USC got the dramatic come-from-behind win over UCLA, their third comeback win of the year. They're 5-0. and They're playing the Pac-12 title game Friday night at the time we're taping. We believe they're playing Washington. Have you heard some of the, the crazy, bizarro Twilight Zone uh, Pac-12 scenarios where if Washington is not able to play in this game, Washington is the qualified winner of the Pac-12 North, the Pac-12 may designate whatever next available team is healthy enough to play USC. Well, and, and USC and USC may not find that out till Wednesday, Tyler, for the championship game. It's similar crazy. situation in the Big 12 that if Oklahoma or Iowa State can't go, then OSU gets a call that they're going to play in the Big 12 title game. 
but you might wait in this case until two days before the championship game. Okay, wait a minute. You're not playing Washington. Sorry if you worked on all of Washington's offense this week. <laughs> or in the Big 12. Sorry if you've been working on Iowa State this week, Sooners. You're playing the Cowboys again. Right. So in Bedlam Part 2. So it is, it's just a very strange year. But my point is, if USC wins that game, a couple of friends of mine have made this point in the media, and, and I got another fan of USC that I know who's a, he's an alum. He's like, hey, if we win and we're 6-0 and having won the Pac-12, how do you tell me that the Big Ten, how do you know that the Big Ten is any tougher than the Pac-12 right now? Neither right. one of them played out-of-conference games. So on an equal footing of USC is 6-0, and and if Ohio State wins, they're 6-0, and how does USC not have any argument to be in the playoff and Ohio State is automatically in the playoff just because they're Ohio State? What would the rationale be if the record is the same? Well, and, uh, you know, I was talking to Tim Brando on my radio show on Saturday, yep. one, one of your friends as well, and, and uh, you know, the case for Ohio State is that, that some folks are pointing to is the, the coveted eye test. And I'm like, what, what eye test are you talking about here? Their right. one quality win is against an unathletic Indiana team. And, right. okay, if you beat Northwestern, all right, that's fine. Fine and dandy here, but I, I just don't see where that eye test is. It's what Timmy B calls the the playoff privileged of sorts. Yeah. is what we're talking yes. about with Ohio State. I, I know that you got that game Saturday, but to me, that's what I don't understand is why Ohio State would have any case over USC in that I sense. I guess the argument would be that Indiana win and now the Northwestern win on a neutral field would be a top fifteen win. And uh, again, forgive me, the Pac-12 title game, I think, is neutral site now. It used to be home sites, and I want to say it's neutral so site. for COVID, it's back to being home site because they can't play in San Francisco. So they're playing at the Coliseum no matter what, no matter who the opponent is, right? Yes, yes. Because, because they, have the, they have the better record. So the better argument for Ohio State is neutral field win over a top 15 team might help us. But let's just go back to the, prim the premise of what Timmy B was talking about with you. Why, why have they been given top four consideration in the playoff for the last month of these rankings when they've played three or four or five games and the other teams around them have played eight or nine or ten games? Right. So, that I mean, that's valid on the playoff privilege thing. Yeah. I, I don't get it one bit. And let's just say, for all intents and purposes, if Clemson goes down, and things open up. You have Alabama and Notre Dame in. You got two spots to go. I don't see how you can justify putting Ohio State in and leave USC out. I think at that point you have to put them both in. Then you have USC all of a sudden in. What do you do? And the ratings are just phenomenal if it's those four teams. But what do you do if you got Cincinnati, who likely will win against Tulsa again? The American Championship game is. Hey now, don't don't roll, don't count out my Golden Hurricane. All right, your Golden Hurricane could pull the upset, but if Cincinnati wins, that makes them 9-0 and or 10-0. and It's certainly three games, if not four games more, than Ohio State or USC, and they're undefeated, and yet you would potentially leave them out. And I'm still, hey, I'm playing your song here. Oklahoma, or under your scenario, two spots available. Oklahoma-Iowa State becomes live, live game there on college football playoff. That's the reason why... They, they have stuck to their guns on, we're going to put our rankings out, but ultimately the, the only ranking that matters is the last one. We'll watch how this all sorts out while all the screaming goes on about who you're going to put, put in. And you know, Tyler, they're going to be, there's going to be at least one upset, if not a couple of upsets this weekend. We just saw oh, yeah. one with LSU beating Florida here. 23-point uh, goal. Season. Yeah. Yeah. That and was... so it would not surprise me that out of USC being undefeated playing in a championship game, Ohio State being undefeated playing in a championship game, Cincinnati being undefeated playing in a championship game, that somebody goes down in one of those games because it's just it's been a crazy year as it is, and you can't count on everybody winning all the time. Uh, I think Ohio State, I know I'm calling the game with Tiki Barber, Compass Media Networks. Thank you for letting me plug there again. We're calling the game at noon Eastern time all over the country on Compass Media Networks. Ohio State is supposed to roll. What are they, like an 18-point favorite, 20-point favorite? They're 20 and a half. Yeah. And, and more than likely, they will win the game. I don't know if Northwestern can throw the ball well enough, especially if they fall behind to stay in. The freshman running back was tremendous in the game uh, last week 
against uh, against Illinois, uh, the true freshman that that Northwestern has. But if he can't run it very well, Ohio State probably wins and wins impressively. But then again, we we thought that Florida with Trask was going to roll over LSU. 23-point favorites. Right. So crazy things happen here at the end of the season is my point. If I'm the committee, I'm putting in A&M or Cincinnati before I would in Ohio State or USC. TJ, if if I make you a a monarch over college football and it's decisions (laughs) in your hands – uh, going into this weekend, who would you favor if you well, had? If we all, have one spot. You're saying if yeah, we have one comes spot, out one spot to give out of this, it, would I give it to Cincinnati over Ohio State? I probably would. Or Texas A&M. I'm, I'm waving the one. Or te- well, but I mean, I would put Cincinnati in front of Texas A&M because Texas A&M has the one loss. Yes, it's to Alabama. Uh, yes, they do have a win over Florida. Uh, yes, also, they haven't been able to play games at the end of this season either because of COVID for them and COVID for the opponents. So, uh, And Cincinnati's had the same problem. But I- I'm going with more victories, meaning more. And, if, and again, if Cincinnati gets to a 10th win here, that bolsters the argument. Now, that's different than what they're actually going to do because they're looking at Ohio State and the brand name out of the Big Ten uh, to be that team. There are millions of more eyeballs, we understand this and get this, that are going to watch Ohio State in a playoff than are going to watch Cincinnati in the playoff. That's absolutely the truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, A lot to play out over the uh, next several days. We're far from over with. Uh, I know the college football season hasn't necessarily been what we would have liked, but uh, we're still in this position, going to have some great playoff games coming up here in the next couple weeks. TJ, I'm ready for it all. Um, And the way these bowls, you know, teams are already saying they don't want to, you know, participate this year or some bowl games dropping out left and right. Uh, Maybe we get BYU and Liberty to play like three times over the next three weeks. (laughs) I saw... McMurphy suggested that and a couple of others, and there might be a team like Coastal Carolina that would agree to do that too. Hey, I'll play, we'll play once this week, and maybe we'll play. And, and you know what? As crazy as it sounds, you might have something like that happen, where if you play early enough, hey, we'll go ahead and play in a later bowl game if there's an opening. Uh, it's been that nutty of a year, and just uh, just stay tuned here. We we know it's not all going to go true to form, starting with USC Friday night in the Pac-12 title game. Noon Eastern Time Saturday, Ohio State in the Big in the Big uh, Ten title game. You got the Big Twelve title game going on at the same time, right? Head to head, early Saturday, and then that Clemson Notre Dame game, uh, massively important. There will be lots of anxious programs watching that game, especially if Notre Dame beats them a second time and opens up another slot. Uh, we'll see what happens, and then and then Alabama closes it out with with Florida in the prime time game. It's going to be a great day. Uh, to, to be a college football fan and watch all of this unfold and sort out, and then the committee make their vote and make their decision. Yeah, maybe uh, the group of five could have their own mini playoff of some sorts with Cincinnati and Coastal and BYU, and uh, who knows? I, should be Wouldn't fun be, next hey, couple weeks. I, I would be all for a Coastal Carolina-Cincinnati matchup in one of those New Year's Six Bowl games. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, after, after Coastal Carolina-BYU, Give me, give me that one. I would love to see that game. Oh, I got one more take for you before we go today uh, on these bowl games and such. The Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl currently slated to host the uh, semifinals. If the Rose Bowl can't have fans and someone else, like one of the other New Year's Six Bowls, like the Cotton Bowl or somebody says, hey, we can have fans, get out, Rose Bowl. Uh, let's not – put the Rose Bowl in the semifinal rotation then. If somebody else can have fans, by all means, let's move that thing and get them out of here. What do you think? I think in a, in a world where you're trying to wave a magic wand, that's a, that makes a lot of sense. But there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars flowing through the college football playoff and these six bowl games and the ESPN television deal. And they're going to show the Rose Bowl, and it's a semifinal game on January 1st. And they've stuck to that. So as much as as much as we might say sterile environment, nobody there. I mean, it was bizarre watching USC and UCLA with no one there. Yeah. Uh, and NFL games in the new LA, in the new LA stadium. That's a palace. That's SoFi Stadium, and no one is there. But I'm just saying to you on the Jones Report, get ready, brother. They're going to play the Rose Bowl with no one oh. there because there's just too much money that's flowing every Oof. which direction. Man. 
Oh gosh, that that's going to be a sad sight, but we'll we'll take hey, it. Hey, it's crazy everywhere though. Yep. I, I believe that we're expecting around ten thousand people for the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis, but the ACC title game they've announced this will only have five thousand fans at Bank of America Stadium outdoors for Notre Dame Clemson. You talk about a tough ticket on the secondary market between the Notre Dame fans and the regionally closed Clemson fans. Good luck. 5,000 tickets yeah. for that game Saturday afternoon. Man. TJ, we got to run. Uh, plug all that you got going on. Uh, the Bucks. you got the Big Ten title game, and then, of course, the Three Dog Thursday podcast, too. Just did a great job with that. Tiki Barber and I will be on the call for Ohio State and Northwestern. God willing, let's get the game played. Big Ten title game, Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, Check the local listing, whether you're in the Kansas area where Tyler originates this podcast or anywhere that you're hearing us. Check a local listing for a Compass Media affiliate for the noon broadcast, Ohio State and Northwestern. We're anxious to do that. First, My first taste of the Big Ten title game will be Saturday. Uh, and then the Buccaneers and the Falcons, huge for Sunday on the Buccaneer radio broadcast. Uh, they can follow me at Bucks Sideline Guy on Twitter for all the Bucks takes. And thank you. You very generously mentioned the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Love picking underdogs on Three Dog Thursday with my guests, including Tyler Jones from time to time, making a pop on there on Three Dog Thursday. We've got to get you back on, especially with the Chiefs locking down playoff position, et cetera. So Three Dog Thursday is the podcast. Find it wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast. Thank you for letting me plug all of that. It oh, will yes. not be dull this week, my friend. I love being with you. we got a lot of craziness to come, and I, I enjoyed recapping the weekend. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll be glad to hop on. i I got a lot of time over the next couple of weeks to fill with uh, this uh, <laughs> this paid time off. So, yes, I, I'd be happy Who is, to. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Tease me. Wet my appetite. I know we're just coming off the weekend. Who is the one underdog you absolutely love right now early in the week for this championship weekend of college football? Do you have one that just jumps out? Uh, I think a lot of uh, a Tulsa. lot of people were probably which which jumps out. What Tulsa at fourteen, uh, the Golden Hurricane. That they have covered, I think, in every game this year. I have to go Tulsa. So Tulsa getting the fourteen against Cincinnati. I think Tulsa I'll might win outright. To be honest, I will pencil you in, Tyler Jones. Okay. Yeah, I think Tulsa might even win outright. To be honest with you, I also think Notre Dame uh, ten and a half. Uh, we saw them go toe-to-toe with Clemson win. Even I know it was without Trevor Lawrence, but offense wasn't the issue for Clemson in their first meeting. Uh, I think that Notre Dame, if they're going to lose this game, I'd be surprised if it's by 11 points. There's two underdog teases for Three Dog Thursday later in the week from Tyler Jones. Yes, so there you have it. DJ, we got to go. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Jones Report, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, also Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore report. You can find us there, and we'll see you back here on Thursday. So long, everybody.